All right, welcome to Interesting Enough. He is Trey Samuel. I'm Nolan Todd. Thank you for joining us. Episode three here. Missed a lot of stuff over the course of the week. Thank you guys for joining us. Please, of course, like, subscribe, and all streaming platforms possible. Thank you guys for joining us again. Trey, man, we had a lot of stuff going on in the week. A lot of different series ended, man. How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good, man. I'm excited to see what's coming up, man. Yes, sir. Absolutely, man. Uh, I just want to get into it. You know, we haven't talked since the Raptors and Celtics. I think we talked maybe game four. I think that's maybe the last time we recorded. So, real quick, what was your game seven reaction? I know the series was really exciting. Those game six and game sevens. And then, of course, we'll get to how you feel about the Eastern Conference Finals coming up. Um, I really felt good about game seven. I was a little bit disappointed in Pascal Siakam, his play throughout the series. Mm. Um, I don't think he shot the ball well. His defense was pretty good. I think that was underrated. But he just didn't shoot the ball well. Um, he's not the best playmaker. We knew that going into this series. But uh, he really didn't show anything on that side of um, the ball. But I will give credit to Fred Van Bleet and Kyle Lowry. I know we talked off air, and you were talking about how good Kyle Lowry played this series. And I'm going to have to give them credit. They played pretty good. Obviously, they didn't win the series, but I'm really proud of Toronto, what they've done after losing one of the best players in the league, arguably the best player in the league. Um, mm-hmm. I really think they showed really good throughout this series. Um, they did pretty much all you could ask for. Yeah, man. I mean, I definitely felt like the the Raptors are underrated in terms of, you know, that championship pedigree and stuff. I know those cliche sports terms, but they really showed it. I know I've been a big critic on Kyle Lowry. I'll be the first to admit it. Oh, me too. I've said some pretty blasphemous stuff about his name. I'm not going to lie to you. But what I will say is I can see how he's a championship winning guard, man. I mean, he just makes a lot of uh, big plays. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm so glad that this series is over for the, the, the flopping match between Kyle Lowry and Marcus Smart. Like, I'm just glad to not watch that again. Like, that's just ridiculous. But I like those two players in terms of what they bring to the table besides that. You know, Kyle Lowry is going to, you know, he's going to be chippy, but he has some tough shots, man. Like he definitely has some tough shots. He's a he's a good bulldog defender, and I think you know they had a chance to get out the East if they would have beat this Celtics team. You know, give the Heat a run for their money. But I mean, I think they played it tough. I just think that the talent weighed out, and, and you brought up the Siakam thing. It's very interesting to me because I kind of have this feeling like I don't want to overreact to a series and him not playing well. I know he averaged, I think it was like 15 points a game for the series, which is obviously not acceptable for a guy who was not only an All Star but an All Star starter. But I would say, I just think that he's not. I know we. I know you and I talk about Kendrick Perkins off air about some of the blasphemy he says. But <laughs> you know, he's obviously not a top ten player, and he's proven that. And I know they had a, they had an argument. I think on with Paul Pierce and stuff a few weeks back about who was better, Siakam and Jalen Brown. And obviously that question. I mean, the answer to that is very easy now. But I, I just think that the Siakam expectation is like, I just don't think he's ever going to be that level of like. Greek Freak or like Ben Simmons or I'm just thinking of some like long lanky guys that can be like some of the best players on the team. I just think he's like a really excellent player. I mean, unless he becomes a really great mid-range shooter as far as pulling up on the jumper, he's just going to be a guy that's great in transition. You know, he's a Swiss Army knife, can do a lot of different things, like you said, defend. But to be honest, I'm not really expecting much more than that. I don't think – I never saw him as the 1A guy, like stepping into the Kawhi role. You know what I mean? I don't know if you felt that way, but that's kind of how I'm feeling. I never saw him as the 1A guy, but I saw him as the number two. And I think Kyle Lowry showed up this series, but I don't think Siakam was enough to be that number two to lead them. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I don't think he's on the level of, let's say, like a Kawhi Leonard. Right, uh, yeah. Those superstars. You know, Greek freak. Yeah, one of those superstar players. 
But I do think he could be on the Jalen Brown, slightly lesser Paul George on that kind of level. See, but I, I just think it's levels to it because, I mean, we'll obviously do it. You know, actually, one of the things we need to do, we need to do an episode of some tiers of players, how we break them down. But but Siakam to me is just like, I mean, at this point, I'm like, I like Middleton over him or some other guys that you might not think of. You know what I mean? That You know, personally. So I, I don't know where his trajectory is. I don't want to overreact. He is a young guy, but I, I just never saw him as that, even that second best guy on the team. I just think he's not really assertive enough. And I don't think it's, and it's not just because of this series. I do want to say that. So um, I think that's important to, to mention, but. I mean, even moving forward to the, to the Heat series, you know, obviously I'm feeling good about the Heat and how we stack up. How do you think they stack up against Boston? Um, I really think it's pretty much an even match. I know I hate to say that coming mm-hmm. into the series, but I just really think it's an even match. I think you had Jimmy Butler on one side. You had Jason Tatum on the other. You had Bam Adebayo on one side. And then, you know, you just have a whole bunch of collection of other great players on the other side. So I just don't really know what team will win. I think this is going to be a six or seven game series. Maybe Gordon Hayward comes in with the Celtics and, you know, who brings an additional punch off the bench. But, you know, I'm really struggling to pick who I will um, choose in this series. I guess if I had to pick, if somebody had a gun to my head, I would go with Boston just because I think they have more scoring with Kemba, with Jason Tatum, with Gordon Hayward possibly. Mm-hmm. With, I, I think they would be able to score more, but if the Heat win, I'm not going to be surprised. How do you feel about the series? So, obviously, being biased, you know, I'm going to go with my Heat, right? But I think the thing that's interesting about it is I think Boston did – Bill Simmons had mentioned this. I think Boston had kind of learned something from that Raptor series about being chippy and things like that. And, you know, that's going to carry over as far as a benefit for them when they play the Heat because the Heat are going to play kind of similarly. Like, they're going to get on, up underneath you. You know, they're gonna, everything's kind of, like, tough to get. You know, it's like tough buckets. And Boston kind of has this thing where, like, they're kind of, like, a lot of style, a lot of flash, and you see, like, Tatum and Brown and, and do a lot of these things in Kemba. But, like, the Heat want to, like, muck up the game. You know what I mean? Like, they want to make it dirty and, like, make it, like, tough. And I think that Boston has a vulnerability there when it comes to, like, being able to – when things get tough, what does what does uh, Stephen A. Smith say? When like palms get sweaty, backsides get tight, his thing, right? Like so, he it's one of those things that when things get tough for them, it just becomes it seems like very difficult for them to find offense. And you would think like on paper, you're looking at Tatum and Brown and, and you know Hayward when he's healthy at Kemba, but when things get tough, it's like where are these guys gonna you know find that extra grit, extra toughness? Now they do have it in Marcus Smart, right? Like they have a guy. But the Heat have gotten guys like that, multiple guys. So I, I think that's what kind of, like, makes a difference. I do think the Jimmy Butler thing is going to be huge here just because Jimmy Butler believes he's the best player on the court, and that's going to be a you know a good thing or a bad thing. But I do think that he doesn't let it get into his head, especially offensively. If a guy's got a hot hand, whether it's Hero, whether it's Drogic or whoever else, he kind of just lets it, lets, it, lets it flow. And Boston kind of does that similarly too. But I just think it's going to be interesting. Like you said, it is, I mean – Gun to my head, I mean, I, I got to go with the Heat. I just think that I just think that they can push it out. I do like the Spolstra matchup over Stevens. I know Stevens makes a lot of adjustments, but I think Stevens can be really passive at times, um, coaching and, and stuff that I don't really love. But I think it's just going to be interesting, man. It's got it's going to go right down to the wire. Like you're going to see Marcus. I got the over under on um, at least two times. Goran Josh is going to get an offensive foul, and Marcus Marsh is going to be the one flopping. I can just tell you that's going to happen. <laughs> like we could just, we could just mark that down now. So it's just going to be interesting to see. I think it might be 
I mean, that Raptor series and that Raptor Celtics series was as good as it was going to get, but this might be even a better series. See, but it's funny you said about the scoring because I think when the Heat, when they played Indiana, they didn't really have to rely on too much scoring. Mm-hmm. I mean, we knew they can get more points than Indiana, just point blank. When they played the Milwaukee Bucks, other than stopping Giannis, I mean, we all knew they could outscore them. Right. All you had to do is get Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler. One of them get a hot hand, they can outscore them. With this Boston team, though, I think it's a little bit different because you have about four or five players that can get hot. I just don't know if the Heat can keep up with them. If Jimmy Butler has a bad game, that can be the death knell of the series. So I think that's a little bit of a different scenario. If Jimmy Butler had a bad game when they were playing Indiana, it didn't matter as much. If he had a bad game when they were playing Milwaukee, as long as he brought his A game and defense, they could still come out with a win. I don't know if they could actually do that against Boston. I, I agree. What I would say is, though, the difference between the Heat and Miami, I think where the Heat have the advantages, when the games are close, I still like the Heat when it comes to closing the game. Jimmy Butler can be shooting two for 20. But when the game gets tight, he's going to find a way to get to the free throw line. He's going to find a way to make the right play. And if guys like Jay Crowder are knocking down shots at 40% rate again, I mean, that's tough. Like, you know what Duncan Robinson and Hero are going to do shooting ball-wise. When you get a guy like that to shoot the ball well, and what I would say about Boston, and we've probably seen it throughout this playoffs, when games get tough, I don't, I'm not loving the way they're closing games. You know what I mean? Even if you got Tatum or Brown, they're really not executing well down the stretch. Much as I love Kemba Walker, I mean, when's the last time he's played in a big game, like, like in big series like this? What was it in the Big East? Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm just, you know, he's been Charlotte. Like, so this is, this is a different experience. I do think the guard play is going to be important because, you know, the NBA is just all about switches and stuff like that. Josh has got to be able to score at a 20-point-per-game game rate again and got to make Kemba Walker pay. Got to make Kemba, Kemba Walker pay on the defensive end. He competes. He's tough, but obviously he's the mismatch there. Second thing for the Heat is all that Daniel Tice stuff, like I've told a lot of people, that Daniel Tice stuff is real cute playing center until you got to play Bam. This is, a, like, this is a whole different game. You know what I'm saying? Like this isn't – no disrespect to Mark Gasol and Ibaka and whoever they want to put OG on the newbie at five. This is Bam. This has got to be different. Bam's got to dominate that matchup. And then for the Celtics on the other end, their wings have got to win. Like Brown and Tatum, they got to win. Like they got to dominate the Jimmy Butler and Iguodala and whoever matchup. So I, I just think it comes down to that, who, you know, who exploiting the matchups. And, and I think Bam could be the X factor when it comes to that because, you know, they've shown – I mean, you even see Toronto. They, they started doing some things when they just went small. But Bam's a thing where he can switch on different positions and he can make Tice pay because he's just more athletic. And he can at least get some fouls on him. And then at that point – Boston's bench is a lot more thin, so you start getting the Wanamaker and them kind of guys, and you like, you know, you feel more comfortable. So, I, I, I think it's interesting, but but like I said, I'm gonna go with the Heat. All that being okay. said, I'm going with the Heat. Not just my bias. I do think I think it's, if I think it's gonna be a close series, who do I want in close money situations? I'm picking the vet guys. I'm picking the Jimmy Butler's, the Iguodala's, the Dragic, all guys who have been in big playoff games. And I'm 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 taking them over the young guys who Tatum and Brown have been. Here's the difference: Tatum and Brown have been in big playoff games. But remember the last time they were playing Cleveland, they were not, they were underdogs. There's no pressure. So that's what I'm feeling. How, who are you taking? I'm still I'm still rocking with Boston. I'm taking them in seven. So I still think it's a toss up series. Mm-hmm. But uh, if I had to pick them, go on. And like you said, it's a toss up series either way. But uh, I can definitely see it going either way. We'll see what happens. It's going to be exciting. I'm tuning in every game, of course. Um, speaking of tuning in every game, it's a transition. Nuggets game seven. First off, I know, I mean, we probably got to delete our last recording, but the last time we talked, 
we talked like this series was over in the bag done with right <laughs> all of that stuff and you fast forward a week and there there are a few jump shots away from taking the clippers out the playoffs and completely ruining what we've been looking for all year long do you see the nuggets doing this can they come back three one two series in a row I don't see why they can't. My thing is, anytime you get to a game seven, you open your chances up for anything to happen. Mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard can have a bad game. Paul George can have a bad game. Jamal Murray can get hot. Jokic could come out and score 20 in the first quarter. Anything can happen. Michael Porter, with all his talk, <laughs> he could come out there and have a 30-point game. <laughs> I mean, we laugh, but he's yeah. a good scorer. He could have a 30-point game, and he can win you one game, and that's all he needs to do for game seven. Um, with that being said, I really want to say, still, I'm disappointed in the way the Clippers have played. I just don't think they've really brought enough to the table. I think Paul George has had a lackluster playoffs. I mean, he's picked it up the last two games, but overall, this playoffs have been pretty lackluster. I think Kawhi Leonard has done a pretty good job in the playoffs, but Patrick Beverly, he's had, hasn't been playing well. He fouled out. I think he only had like four points in the mm-hmm. last game against the Nuggets, I think. Uh, Lou Williams, he, you know, he's looked okay, but he hasn't right. looked great. I mean, ever since the little chicken went incident, he hasn't looked great. <laughs> I know. I mean, I don't want to discredit the Nuggets because, I mean, they really have been playing great. But I think if the Clippers, if they can reach their full potential, I think they're still going to win game seven. How do you feel about the series? feel the same way. I mean, I would echo some of the same sentiments. One of the things I would mention is, is at some – I think we might have talked about this before. At some point, do the Clippers – are they going to keep getting away with turning on that off and on switch? And, and that's why I kind of feel. Kawhi's been dominant. Now, I would say, I think it was game six. He's probably played the worst game he's played in the playoffs, right? So I don't really expect that to happen again. But uh, in general, can they get away with not playing with that intensity all the time? And like you said, I mean, Jamal Murray's had a tough series overall. He hasn't really played great. But like you said, it's one game. He's played really well. the past. And you know what the funny thing is? He hasn't really played great the past two games, but he's played, like, really good in, like, spots, especially, like, in the fourth quarter. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when they kind of need some buckets. Jokic is just pretty much dominated here at this point. Um, but they've gotten contributions, like you said, Michael Porter Jr., Millsap, different guys. I just think, I mean, like you said, I, I'm I'm picking the Clippers. Uh, I think that's a safe, you know, if I had to put my money on it, that's a safe pick, right? I'm rocking with Kawhi to just give me 35 and just send these guys home. But it's, it's one thing anything can happen. And selfishly, I mean, I want to see the Lakers-Clippers matchup. I'm a basketball fan like everyone else. So I want to see this. But it would also be really funny if a team like the Nuggets come and just ruins that. So I kind of like that underdog story too, but I got to go with the Clippers. I got to think that in a game seven, if there isn't any other time to come with this intensity, it's got to be now, right? Like it's got to be, there's no other time to do this. So I'm going Clippers, even though the Nuggets have put up a great fight. It'd be awesome to see, but I got to go Clippers. How you still going Clippers there? Yeah, I'm going with Clippers by 10. I really think that they're going to come out there and they're going to put their foot in the next. And uh, I think for the most part, they're going to be in control throughout their game. Um, Denver might close the gap a little later on in the fourth quarter, but I think it's still going to be ultimately Clippers So you, so you think they're comfortable lead throughout the game kind of thing? Maybe the Nuggets, Nuggets make a late run, but it's kind of we're out of gas at this point if you're the Nuggets. Okay. Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. Right. Well, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, I, of course, I'm going to be tuned in. I'm I mean, if you're a Clippers fan, you got to be a little disappointed about, about the performance because, I mean, even this, you know, LeBron's over here resting watching the NFL football game. So, I mean, you got to get right back at it anyway, even if you do win this, right? So, you're not really starting off on a great foot, but we'll, we'll see what happens there.
you know, one of the things we wanted to mention with the NBA as well, you know, the, the Mike D'Antoni firing has just happened. I know we kind of expected this is not really a firing. He was a free agent. I shouldn't really say that. Um, he said, you know, he's got some possible suitors coming up. How are you feeling about it? Now, do you think one of the things I wanted to ask you, one, is this going to make any difference in the Rockets? Are we do we need more roster moves or is this the coaching difference? One. And then two, what do you think the, the, the future of Mike D'Antoni is? Um, I don't think it makes a difference with the Rockets because I think either way they were going to blow the team up. I think that the Russell Westbrook experiment, I know it's only been one year in, but I don't think he's going to get any better. You know, I'm a Westbrook fan mm-hmm. myself, but his lack of shooting and his lack of being able to actually pass the ball to make good assists, I think a lot of times he just dribbles, dribbles, right. dribbles. It's five seconds left. He passes out and then somebody has to make, um, happens to make the shot, but I don't think it's actually a good assist. It's not within the flow of the game. I just think his play style is really hard to match up against Harden or anybody else that's in the league for that matter. I think they're just going to redo this whole thing. So I don't think it really changes much. As far as where I would like to see Mike D'Antoni, I would be kind of interested to see him in Philadelphia. I know that Ben Simmons is not a great shooter, but I would just be interested to see him leading a Mike D'Antoni offense. I mean, who knows? Maybe Ben Simmons could average 20 points in his offense without being able to shoot the ball, just going down the court really fast in transition, making passes, attacking the rim. Joel Embiid, you know, I'd be interested to see how he's doing in that offense as well. He had to get in a little bit of better shape, lose some weight. But um, but one of the things Philadelphia had a hard time doing the whole year was actually scoring. Mm-hmm. And we know that Mike D'Antoni is offensive genius. Now, the defense would be lacking. But when you have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid as defensive anchors, you know, I think you can get away with a little bit of lackluster defense. I agree. I would say I'm torn. So I saw James Harden say they're one piece away. James, first of all, you're more than one piece away. I just want to just, just everybody. Yeah, I just want to make that clear. Second, the Mike D'Antoni thing is interesting because I'm looking at the Rockets roster, right? I think as the roster is constructed today, right? Obviously, things are going to happen. This is probably like who? What other coach are you going to bring in is going to be that innovative? Because I mean, D'Antoni really did the, the best you could do with Westbrook is like, yo, we're just going to spread it out and try to have you attack downhill. I mean, that's as non-traditional as you're going to get. I mean, they don't even have a center. So how do you go back from that? And then at this point, James Harden has been doing this for years as far as being the point guard and dominating the ball. How does he adjust to, like, you know, who's going to bring in another offense and switch that? Like, that's kind of tough to do in general. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see. And then as far as the Mike D'Antoni thing, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I know he's connected to Philly, and I know that, that that's an option. I really think the Philly thing is a less of an X's and O's thing and more of, like, they just need a, a leader. Like, I mean, if I had to tell you who's the leader on their roster, you'd be hard-pressed. You'd have to do some thinking here, like, right? And I could probably name other teams in the league, and you'd be able to tell me who's the leader, clear-cut, or one or two guys or something. They, they need, you know, they, that lack of veteran presence, that lack of Jimmy Butler, that lack of J.J. Redick, you know, that's tough. Like, that's tough to not have a guy that's understated in the league. And I think they need a guy, a disciplinarian, if you will, a, a Mark Jackson, you know, one of those guys. Maybe even – I don't really even know if Ty Lue is considered, like, really a disciplinarian. But, you know, I think that might be better than Brett Brown there. You know, Brett Brown's a guy everybody loves. He's cool. But, you know, you, I think they need, like, some more structure, if that makes sense. I don't know how you feel about that. I um, mean, yeah, I think they actually do need more structure. Um, I would just be interested from Mike D'Antoni just purely on his scheme alone, but just as far as the structure and bringing bringing tough in those guys, I don't think he would bring that to the mm-hmm. table. 
But at the same time, he get good assistance. And I can't really think of maybe like Tyron Lue. I don't see him actually going anywhere as an assistant. I think he's going to be a head coach next year. But just using him as an example, somebody that's tough, that could bring that structure behind right. the scenes. We know he did that in Cleveland with David Black before he got let go. I think somebody like that could come along with Mike D'Antoni and could bring that to the team. I don't really think he's going to go near Philadelphia, though. His name has been rumored a lot with Indiana. So it'll be interesting to see actually where he goes, though. You know, and also I think it. I, I think it's worth mentioning, especially with coming off the heels of the Steve Nash hire and, and you know, the lack of the black coaches in the league, what Stephen A was talking about. I'm kind of like, is it really that fair that he's able to just get walk into another job like that when there's some other guys? You know what I mean? Like, so there's some other candidates that, that have been out of jobs for years. I know it's about a fit as well. You know, I, I do definitely get that. But, I mean, there's some other guys on the market, and I'm not just talking about just black coaches, but just in general. You know, I mean, you know, I know Jeff Van Gundy's been rumored in some things as well. I know, I don't know if he's going to want to leave the booth, but – you know, I just I'm always kind of like a guy is like really mediocre, and I that's what I consider Dan. I mean, he's not mediocre; he's a good coach. Let me rephrase that. But just to kind of be able to just walk into another job, it's kind of like, what about Lionel Hollins? What about these other guys? You know, that have had success in the league. So, just think it's interesting, man. I, I I'm interested to see how it's going to go going forward. But I think that the Rockets are kind of tapped out. I think that. Do you think that they made a mistake? with the Chris Paul over the Westbrook thing? I know it's easier to say in hindsight, right? But how are you feeling about that that deal now as he stands today? Do you think it would have made any difference at this point? Um, you know? I just think a lot of basketball is team chemistry. We really think about what's on the court, but we don't think about the mm-hmm. locker room side of it. And I just, from what we've been hearing, of course, on ESPN and other networks, the James Harden and the Chris Paul thing just wasn't working as far as the mm-hmm. locker room cohesion goes so i think they made the right decision and trading chris paul for westbrook but i just think it was a wash because westbrook might help the locker room but what he brings on the court is not as much of what chris paul brought, brought on the court so i think at the end of the day they're going to be in the same position a team that's maxed out a team that doesn't have a lot of money a team that really has no real new avenues to go to i mean they're just stuck i think they're a middle of the road western conference team Mike D'Antoni really got the most out of this team. I know you and I kind of disagree on how good of a coach he is, but I think he made the most of what he could with this team. I just think it's tough. Yeah, I, I just think it's like – I mean, on paper, it should be a little bit better than what they are. Actually, no, I would scratch that, actually. I think that they've maxed out the roster. I would agree with you on that part of it. It just kind of feel like it always just have this feeling with, like, as great as James Harden plays or even Westbrook to an extent, but as great as James Harden plays, it's like, man, like, he should be like in the conference finals every year. Like, I mean, I know it's just not, I know it's a team game. I know you're going to get some but and I guess I'm, it's an unfair expectations because I'm looking at the LeBron rosters that he's had over the years and excluding really this year. Cause you got Anthony Davis, you know, it's like, he's able to lead these teams to the conference finals. And, I, and maybe that's just the greatness of LeBron. Right. And I'm holding James Harden against it, but it's just tough to see a, a great player like that. He's what 31 now. And he's not really able to like break that seal per se and like get to at least get to the finals. Um, being that great and you know now at this point but he's caught some bad breaks though I mean he went up against one of the greatest teams of all time in that Golden State See, team and he was one Chris Paul hamstring away from okay but bottom. here we, so we can do that then. so he's got okay you got the Chris Paul ham- and you can we obviously everybody can make excuses but you got the Chris Paul thing right but how about the first year when they went to the conference finals when he had Dwight Howard the first year the Golden State won the championship they won the conference finals you know what I mean like they had an opportunity yeah. there so you know, obviously James Harden didn't show up in that San Antonio series, which they weren't favored. So, 
don't want to, you know, kill him on that per se. But I mean, he's got multiple situations. They were also up three to one against the, against those Clippers teams. You remember that? So, you know, he's had his opportunity. As much as I kind of like feel for him in a way, I'm also like, he's had his opportunities. And that's why I kind of always take it personally. Like, obviously, like I'm a DUA guy, some of that. I know Harden's going to go in history when you look at numbers and statistics and stuff like that. But like, that's why I can't really hold him. Like, when I look at guys like a D Wade or something, for an example. It's like, okay, you played with the Brown, things like that. But I just think winning matters, man. I think all those numbers in the regular season are great, but winning matters. And I know it's not always his fault, but you're, you're the face of the team. So we, if you win a championship, you get all the credit, right? But if you don't, you kind of get all the blame. It's just kind of the territory. So, you know, I, I, feel, I feel for James Harden. I feel for that roster. Um, I feel if I was a Rockets fan, you know, you kind of feel like you're always knocking at the door. But I think they got to make a big move. I, I think – I think they can still do the Westbrook and Harden thing, but I think they need a third guy. Like, and it can't be like, if you don't have a third guy, the way I feel about the league real quick is like, if you, in the league structure, the way it is right now, I feel like you got to have three guys. Like you got to have three legit guys, like not two guys in Eric Gordon, no disrespect, but you know what I mean? Like you got to have three, like real legitimate, like, Two guys that are like probably pretty much three all stars. We'll just call it what it is. We'll say two all NBA guys, then one guy that's like a fringe all star. Like if you just look at the landscape of the league, the only way you cannot do that is if you're literally LeBron James. Like that's the only thing that's been proven. That's the only thing that's been proven. Like yeah. if you are LeBron James, you can just get away with having another all star and we can just ride out. But that's it. So James Harden ain't LeBron James. So I don't know what they're going to do. Like you said, they don't got a lot of money. So. It's not much movement here. So, I mean, it's, it, they're, they're kind of stuck in the mud. And you lost your coach. So, you know, when you kind of lose your coach, it's, you know, we're talking about chemistry. You're kind of starting over. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there, man. But I do want to shift to football while we do have the time here. I know we talked about the Chiefs um, linking arms with the Texans in week one. I know we, we talked about the re- – we, we, well, I'm sorry, we heard about the reaction – with the uh, players locking arms at midfield. Obviously, I was very disappointed in it. I just wanted to get your general thoughts on that as well. Um, I guess I'm not really totally surprised. We knew that, obviously, it's going to be a controversial topic when they actually locked arms or if they decided to kneel. Um, you know, all of this is marred in controversy. Whether or not you agree with it or not, um, still controversial. So, I guess I'm not totally surprised. Again, I am disappointed in what happened, but – um. I just like the fact that it seemed, it, it seemed like the players just pretty much ignored right. it. Uh, they kind of just disregarded the booze. And um, they're just taking it day by day. I think that that probably wasn't a one-off event. We'll probably see it a couple more times throughout this NFL season. But uh, for the most part, uh, like I said, I'm not surprised. So it is what it is. Yeah, I'm not I, – I, you see, I, would, I was a little surprised with the – I understand when people were booing with the kneeling, right, even though – I'm obviously not on that side. But with the Lincoln arms, it's like you're kind of not even really even taking a stance on anything. You're just kind of showing unity. So it's like very confusing to me. It's like what what if you're booing, like what is it that you're not okay with? Like you're just saying you're not okay with unity. Like what we're not even like we're not even doing anything. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it kind of just it, it feels like that thing where it's just like somebody who just always wants to be a rebel and like wants to just like hate on something. It's just like you go, you like whoever was going whoever was booing was going to hate on it. So that's the way I felt like it. And hey, man, like they can go, you know, they can go somewhere else with it. We can't say on air, but 
you know, that's that's just that's <laughs> just kind of that 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 feeling on it there. But and obviously, you know, you know, shifting over to the Dolphins, standing in the locker room, I thought it was a very, I like that gesture. I thought that they tried to find um, kind of a medium in a way, but also kind of making a stance. How did you feel about it? Um, again, I'm with you. I kind of like the gesture. Um, obviously, you're not going to be able to please right. everybody. If you stand in the National Anthem, that's not going to please everybody. If you kneel in the National Anthem, that's not going to please everybody. They just try to find a middle ground. Um, obviously, you know, you still have a lot of people that are speaking out against it. They didn't care for what they did. But um, I think they made the most out of a tough situation. Um, they didn't try to bring a lot of attention upon themselves. But they did also recognize that we have issues as a nation that we're facing. And they did want to, you know, touch on that and bring some light to that. So I think they really did um, a really good job of addressing it. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, similarly, I, I thought it was for doing something different. I'm always at least looking in to see who's who's doing something different. It's easier to, like, sit with the trends. Like, that's why I wasn't really – I know we hadn't talked about this on air too much. I wasn't really feeling like the – I mean, like Roger Goodell or a lot of these big – we'll call it big corporations, per se, coming out and supporting Black Lives Matter movement and supporting all the stuff that basically Kaepernick and a lot of other trailblazers have been talking about for years. It's like – yeah, it's really easy to do it when it's a trend and everyone else is doing it, right? So, like, I'm really not with it when you come after the fact. So I thought it was cool that the Dolphins were like, you know, people are doing all these different things. We saw the unity. That game was on a Thursday night. We had Sunday, right? We had some time to decide what we wanted to do, and they decided as a team what they want to do. And I, the biggest thing for me is, like I said, unity. I you know I keep harping on that word, but, you know, it, it's big to show everyone's agreeing that we're going to do this one thing, whatever it is, and we're rocking with it. You know what I'm saying? And if fans are bust, we don't care what anybody thinks about it. We're a squad. We're a team. And I think that concept should be hopefully looked at and broadened. And hopefully that's something that as a country, like that's the type of unity we're looking at as a country. And they're just showing it as a team in, in, in like a 53-man roster and some coaches. So I just think, you know, people being on the same page is really important. And I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure that that's already happened, but sure that you know in that locker room stuff there was a lot of dialogue going on before this decision was made and understanding how people feel and things like that and and i think that's important and i think it's important to show that kind of deal um in the league especially when you got it you know who knows who's watching who knows who's being impressioned off of that right so i think it's important to note but hey man but on a much lighter note the nfl is back I was very excited about it. It was kind of weird not having football. It was kind of weird without fans there. It was weirder to me than the NBA games not having fans for some reason. I don't know how it was for you, but I was kind of excited. Like, I had some reactions to certain things. Obviously, my Dolphins didn't get the, the W, so I wasn't really feeling good about that. We, we, you know, we're zero on the scoreboard, but we we got we snatched one chain, so I'm feeling good. But, you know, how are you feeling about the NFL being back? <laughs> um, it's definitely a different experience without the fans. Uh, the stadiums look empty on TV. They do sound a little bit empty. I like that they're trying to pump in crowd noise into the mm. stadium, but the crowd noise always sounds the same, whether it be a hard hit, <laughs> right. a fumble, somebody got yeah, an ankle broke. Yeah, it sounds the we same. Gotta get, we got to get some variety so in kinda, that. <laughs> yeah, we got to get some variety. It's kind of a disconnect. <laughs> but um, other than that, you know, I'm happy. We saw Tom Brady go out there. He threw two picks. He looked like James. Uh, <laughs> they didn't like look J- too hot. James with less yards. <laughs> <laughs> hey, with the yards. Uh, Cam Newton, you know, he's about to pull up on somebody because they're trying to snatch the chain. He said bringing the college uh, out. That's what he said, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's opening up. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> okay, 
Look, man, the Cam Newton thing, look, we not – look, we might lose the game, okay? We might lose the game. But it, it's not sweet out here, man. You coming out here with a chain, hanging out, hanging out like it's all good. And I know Cam. Cam's got a history of talking trash and as one of the quarterbacks in the league that talks the most trash. So I'm not going to sit here and do the whole victim thing. He's like, well, I was just playing, and then someone just tried to grab my chain. Like, that's not how it happens. Like, come on now. So – we know what happens. Now, Cam is in a different scenario. He's just as big as these D linemen that's talking to him. So, like, he's got an advantage there. But, yeah, we're not having that. Like, that's the type of attitude I want my team to have. We could lose the game, but we're not having it. We're not having it. I know it's a little bit undisciplined. I know. But we're not having it. Like, that's what, that, that's what it's got to be. Like, the Dolphins have had a history of being punked by the Patriots by losing all the time for 20, upwards of 20 years. My lifetime. At least, the least thing we could do is show some fight, man. Like, that's the very least thing we could do. But, well, Nolan, they lost twice because they lost on the scoreboard and they didn't take the chain. <laughs> well, well, I just want to say, let the record show, we didn't take the chain because we didn't want the chain because it was cheap. That's why we didn't take the chain. Okay? <laughs> if we wanted the chain, we would have had the chain. I just want to the record to let the record show if we wanted the chain, we would have had the chain. We decided that he could have it. So that's what we decided there. But I mean, with the Tom Brady thing, I'm not going to overreact to it. I mean, it's, it's game one. He's, four, what is he, 43 years old? Like, he's 43 years old. I mean, yeah. This is kind of what I expected. Like, I, I wasn't over here writing home that they're going into the Super Bowl like some of the other pundits on, on NFL Live on, on every day. But, I mean, I, I think that they got to gel. I think, you know, missing a lot of time with COVID, especially in the beginning, is kind of like, especially going to a new team, it's a little different. I know Brady's Brady, but, you know, still going to a new team is a new team. So I think that can't be understated. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see how that team plays going forward. Also, let's not – let's also just – Call it what it is. I mean, they also played a very good Saints team that's probably going to yeah, be did. in the same situation they've been in the past years, which is probably in a run into to get to at least an NFC championship game and maybe even a Super Bowl. If if something else doesn't get in the Saints way, whether it's the refs or somebody else every year, something happens. Right. But, <laughs> you know, they also played a very good sense. That's really tough to come in week one and play a team like that. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting to, team, interesting to see. Do you, do you think? Is there any sleepers that we're not talking about? I know it's just week one that can make a run, um, maybe make a deep run in the league. You th- you thinking about? Um, I really like the Buffalo mm. Bills. I like how they're treating Josh Allen right now. He's not really the focal point or the leader of the team. They're trying to play around him. They know he doesn't have the best or most accurate arm, but they're playing on his strengths, which is his mobility, mm. his ability to get the ball out quick and make short passes. I really love their defense. They have a great defense. I think this is a team that can possibly do something special you think so? this year. Buffalo yes, is like so interesting to me, man, because like you know they got they've had the good roster the past years, and they got digs this year now too. I mean that's a big help, right? So, but I, yeah. I, it'd be interesting to see. I, I think that there's some teams that sleep. I think Arizona is a team a lot of people are talking about. Definitely think Kyler Murray. I think Ooh, definitely okay. Kyler Murray take that next step. Have Adam DeAndre Hopkins. You still got Fitzgerald, but I have a team. I have a team that no one is talking about. Now, before I, before I say the team, this team, I just think I'm not saying they're going to win a Super Bowl. I'm not even saying that they're necessarily even going to make the playoffs. I just think this team is going to surprise people. And it's the team with no name. It's the Washington football team. Think about this. No expectations. They don't even have a name. So we, I mean, you don't even have a name. So there's literally no expectations. You, you tell me if your front office can't come up with a name in this in this span of time. I, I don't, I mean, me, you and I can branch them for 30 minutes. We can probably find out a name for them. Like the fact that they, they're not coming up with a name is just ridiculous. So they don't have a team. 
they have a, a rookie quarterback, or I'm sorry, second-year quarterback now that, by all means, a lot of people have kind of just given up on. You got the morale boost with the Alex Smith coming back. Even if he might not play, he's just another leader on the sideline. Ron Rivera, great coach. You got a really good defense, sneaky, really good young defense with Chase Young, the new rookie. They played really well. They kind of beat up that Eagles team in game one. I can totally see this team competing for a wild card spot. I, I don't know what their schedule looks like. I don't know what they're trying to schedule, who they got to play. But the NFC East is always up for grabs. They can go like four and two in the NFC East or whatever and win some games against the Cowboys, the mediocre Cowboys, get a game against the Giants. You know what I mean? Things like that. I can totally see this team messing around and being nine and seven and being in a spot that nobody expected. What do you think? I could kind of go along with that. I'm not the biggest Dwayne Haskins fan. See, but no one is. And that's why no one's a Dwayne Haskins fan but Dwayne Haskins. So, like, he's got – I mean, he's playing with house money. I mean, it's really – no. there's no expectations. He can just go out and ball. I know he's got, like – the. But there's a reason there's no expectations. You can't just say that. But there's a reason. One year, though, like, that's really unfair. Like, it's been really unfair, like, one year – a guy that what do you start one year in college? Like it's really unfair for people to to kind of be like, well, you know what? He's not the franchise guy. We're not really sure. It's like, well, there was a lot of guys we didn't know the first year if they were sure. I mean, I mean, I mean, hey man, we thought Baker Mayfield was the guy first year. And now look, we're we're questioning. I can put I can. Nobody thought that. Skip Skip Bayless no, was no, the only one I thought that. I, I want to let the record show. I'm a Baker May, I'm a Baker Mayfield guy. I was a Baker Mayfield guy. I like his attitude. That same draft class that came out with was it him? Sam Darnold, Sam Josh Darnold. Allen, Josh, Josh Rosen, Rosen, right? I thought he'd be the best guy to four. Yeah. I thought he'd be the best guy to four. I, I, I'm going I'm, to I'm stand on it. I'll be wrong. It's okay if I'm wrong. thought he'd be the best guy to four, period. I was not in love with Josh Allen. I'm not in love with the guys that have the big arm just to throw it. They can do the throwing challenge where they can throw the ball 90 yards, but they can't hit a guy in the flat. So, like, I don't care about stuff like that. But the Baker Mayfield thing, I still, I think he's got a chance. But I, that being said, I think you can put him on the same level as Dwayne Haskins. Both guys haven't proven anything. One guy's just got a lot of flair, and he's playing with Odell Beckham and a bunch of weapons. And the other guy's with a team that doesn't have a name. Okay, with well, no offense, I don't want to be at any level Baker Mayfield. It's right not now. bad, man. It's not that bad. Look, it's not good. It's, <laughs> it's not, not good. That bad. Hey, it's not good. So do you think no. he's a franchise guy? Are you Are you done? Dwayne Haskins or Baker Mayfield? No. Wow. It's over already for you. I mean, think about it this way. Other than that first season, when he came in halfway through the season, has he really shown you more than Josh Rosen? And Josh Rosen hasn't had a chance. Has he shown you more than Josh Rosen? Has he shown you more than Sam Darnold? He hasn't shown me more than Sam Darnold. He's shown me more than Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen's also had a a bad row with it. I bet he had a bad – yeah, he had a – he went to an Arizona team that didn't want him. He went to a Miami team that really didn't want him, even though they traded for him. I mean, he just had a bad – He went to two teams, two bad offensive lines. So far. They switched the coach. They drafted Kyle Murray. Yeah. They drafted Tua. Like, he just can't get a win. Like, he can't get somebody to just believe in him for more than a year. So, I mean, like, it's tough. Like, it's just tough. Like, but – But I still stand by Baker Mayfield really hasn't shown me anything. But do you think we've, do you think we've capped I mean, out on him? It's like, this is the best we're going to see. Because I, I feel like there's some more that we haven't seen. No, I think he can get better. I just don't think he's that franchise guy, though. <sighs> I think he's like a, I think he's like a Fitzpatrick, okay. kind of in that realm. He can be good, he can be spotty here and there, but would you really want him leading your team if you really think you have a chance to go to a Super Bowl? 
No. I don't know, man. I mean, I, at sometimes I look at him, I'm just like, if he's in a situation like Cam and the Patriots, like, what could, could, would it be different? You know what I mean? Like, I just kind of think about it in terms of that. That's how I think. I don't know. Okay, well, Baker said he got punched in the mouth, so let me <laughs> see what he does next week. Let, 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 let's just see. I'm we'll see, man. Just see. We'll see. We'll see what's going on, man. We pretty much covered everything we want to talk about this week. Again, everyone, thank you for tuning in ahead of time. Please like, subscribe, and all platforms possible. Please thank you. We appreciate all the support. We can't thank you enough. We'll be tuning in next week with more content. Of course, show we'll be talking about, I'm sure, the conference finals will be getting going, so we'll have some more juicy stuff to talk about. There'll be more things in the NFL. Hopefully nothing crazy happens. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad to do this, man. I, I appreciate you tuning in with me like usual.